Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. COVID has been so devastating. And to see 38,000 people at Fenway Park, it was really emotional and rewarding. On the business side, from ticket sales to jersey sales, revenues were up. Everything was really good. It was a really solid year. I realized that at the beginning of 2019, it would be a very unique opportunity in terms of a lot of contracts being up at the same time and a lot of exciting young wrestlers being available to go out and start a wrestling company. The country is finally deeply getting the memo about how amazing this sport is. I think the sky's the limit for MLS. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for you at this particular time. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. And on the line with us, another mover and shaker, he is Alex Kane. He's the founder and chairperson of the board and chief executive officer of Sports Trade. And you ask, what is that? It is a Philadelphia-based sports betting and trading company poised to disrupt the sports betting industry with the first legal sports betting exchange in the U.S. history. Alex, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you uh, for having me. Well, first of all, because, uh, you know, we all know, I yes, I love my sports betting, and uh, I'm still mad because I lost my $20 uh, on the Jets game. I bet for them to lose, but they won. But that's another story. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, you have come up with so many things here about this sports trade, and am I correct? Are you using it just like a financial exchange? That is 100% correct. So, what sport trade is, um, is it's a full stack, vertically integrated uh, central limit order book for sports betting. So quite simply, think of us as the NASDAQ, for example, for sports betting, where we uh, are just the exchange and we are matching buyers and sellers uh, of sports bets. Um, so quick example how that would work. Let's say we list Boston Celtics to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, participants on our venue can buy and sell what are called contracts. Um, on that listed outcome. And a contract is just an instrument that settles at 100 if the Celtics beat the Sixers, and it settles at $0 at the end of the game if the Celtics don't beat the Sixers. And participants can live trade on the probability of the Celtics to beat the Sixers because the contract price is going to reflect what the market's estimated probability of that outcome to occur. So imagine you could buy Boston at maybe $55 per contract before the game, meeting their 55% flight favorites and they go on a 10-2 run at the beginning of the first quarter and now they're trading $75 per contract you can actually sell out before the game ends and it gives you this kind of day trading type experience for sports yeah that's the innovation there because you'll be able to um, allow intra day or in this case intra-game or intra-meet intra-match trading which didn't exist previously I wanted to ask about that idea that you would match buyers and sellers, because in a traditional stock market or exchange, you're going to have liquidity providers, market makers. Who are going to be your market makers who, who quote, bid prices for sellers and ask prices for buyers? 
Yeah, so um, that's actually a really important question. And we, because we're fundamentally in the sports betting space, the sports trade is a sports betting company, um, we often talk to folks that are, are new to marketplaces. Um, and, and they kind of get tripped up on that to say, well, okay, this is kind of cool. I can, I can buy and sell the, you know, the Celtics, but doesn't there always need to be a seller to my buyer? And, of course, we know that that, that problem is solved by the concept of electronic market makers. And what's so interesting about the way we've built Sportrade, it is so similar to an equities or a derivatives or a stock exchange that we rely on some of the same market makers to provide liquidity on our venue, as you mentioned, Scarlet bid and ask prices mm-hmm. um, for all of these outcomes that we list that do the same thing on today's equities venues. Um, and while I'm not at liberty to, to kind of disclose exactly who those are, um, it's the same type of folks that understand that to make this really work, well, we always need to have a bid ask spread on, on the Boston Celtics. So maybe we start the game at 55 at 56. And then in the middle of the game, maybe the game's more volatile and maybe their 70 bid offered at 75. But the really magical thing about sport trade is you don't just have to rely on the market makers quote, just like in stock trading. If you were to use a brokerage like interactive brokers or a Robinhood, you can actually put a limit order to mm. buy or sell instruments at a price of your choosing. And Sportrade is the only venue in the U.S. that you as a better are, are going to be able to place limit orders. So, you know what, I don't want to buy the Celtics at 55. I think they're going to get off the game, you know, off to a bad start. I maybe want to buy the $50 per contract. And just like in the stock market, when there's a seller um, that reaches a $50 limit price, you are going to be filled by the exchange. And now you're going to own um, Boston at your $50 per contract price instead of 55 so once you sell the contract, once Sports Trade sells it, you're out. It's now uh, a willing buyer and a willing seller to work the deal between themselves, right? Yeah, so we, we are both a primary and, and secondary kind of market. So think about Sports Trade's role as, as just the facilitator, where, where it would say, you know what, we're going to list um, Celtics to beat the Sixers, and then we have market makers come into our venue and make a two-way market. And then someone makes that first trade, and now there's open interest, and now there's volume, and now we're off to the races. So sport trade never really acts as itself as the risk-taking buyer or seller. It rather acts as that kind of non-partial uh, facilitator, a platform, if you will, to match buyers and sellers. Thanks, Alex. Now you've messed with my world as a better, because this is a brand new way for me to approach sports betting. And especially with what I want to explain that there's a major difference here about what you guys are doing and what you can do on certain sites. Sometimes before the game starts, you can you maybe you've made the bet. Maybe you made it the day before. And then the site is telling, okay, you still want to bet this Jets game? Uh, I know you put down a hundred dollars, but you can sell out at like a hundred five or or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is totally different because you set the sell price or the buy price with the way you've set things up. And I want people to understand that if you if people are into online sports betting. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think the way that we really differentiate um, against the traditional sports book is we, we take people back 20 years and say, do you remember when stock trading was you had to pay $10 per share and you had to go through a specialist? And, and now today... You know, folks, you know, my age are opening up Robinhood and, and are, you know, trading on, um, you know, meme stocks at, at sub-penny spreads. 
and and that entire revolution and transformation we're taking all of the of the technology and thinking that made that possible and we're going to apply that thinking and technology to sports betting which is going to be a 20 billion dollar market in the u.s so it's inevitable that folks bet and we want to create technology we want to create a platform that brings the customer to the forefront and allows for more liquidity mm-hmm. and more transparency. For that sports better that's thinking, what's the difference between sport trade and, and, and a traditional sports betting app? It's better prices. It's the ability to trade in and out. It's the ability to set your own limit prices if you want. And then the big one is for in-play betting, which is where 70% of betting happens overseas. There's going to be way higher availability. Think about all the times that you maybe wanted to place a bet. Maybe it happened on the Jets game and you wanted to place an in-play bet. But the market was suspended. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, market makers and, and this kind of, you know, central limit order book methodology solves that problem because you're always going to have buyers and sellers competing to win trades. And when you're betting against the sports book, it's that single dealer that you're betting against. But yeah. when you're betting on sport trade, you're a part of an ecosystem that's always willing to have a bid and offer spread out there. And what that means for you as a customer is way higher availability. You don't have to bet on the sports book's terms. You can bet on your own terms. So sport trade takes a commission on each trade. But um, what we know with exchanges uh, for stocks, for derivatives, for futures, is that transaction costs typically only go in one direction, which is down. And what we see with ICE and other exchanges is that they make a growing portion of their money selling proprietary data, real-time data, historical data, summary data, reference data. I'm curious as to if you're thinking ahead to how you plan to monetize the data that you collect. Yeah, Scarlett, that's probably the part of the business that I'm most interested in because, again, SportTrade is a very unique take on sports betting. I think a lot of the traditional operators don't really think of the market data angle. And I think we're seeing, you know, and I know um, you all have been following, you know, Genius Sports in their recent listing and Sport Radar. And these are disseminators of what are called game state data. I think if if we kind of wind back the clock and, and think about, you know, where were the majority of NASDAQs or New York Stock Exchange's revenues coming from 20 years ago, and then we compare that to now, I think, to your point, you see a, a, a huge transition mm-hmm. from transactional side of the business to the market data side of the business. And I think that that's going to be um, especially true in sports betting when we think about all of the single dealer platforms out there trying to identify what is the price of the Jets to win this game? What is the price of Serena Williams to, to win this tennis match? And the great thing about the exchange is that it, it, it facilitates and it encourages price discovery to the degree that doesn't exist on these single dealer platforms. And what that means is that the market data that comes out of an exchange can be very, very powerful. And while we haven't you know, thought about immediately how to monetize that, we see massive opportunities to kind of insert sport trade into the fabric of sports betting more so than just on the transactional layer, but just on the market data layer as well. And I think that's the part of the business that we're really excited about where mm-hmm. we can start to sell market data to some of these single dealer platforms to try and have them, you know, increase the execution quality on their platforms. Alex, talk to me about the impediments of the different state-by-state regulations. Yeah, so um, just for the listeners out there, sports betting is going to be obviously a huge industry here in the U.S., um, projected to be upwards of a $20 billion industry, which is, you know, mind-blowing. Last month in New Jersey, um, folks bet over $1.3 billion um, on sports in one month. And 92% of that was from mobile phones or, or, or from web pages. Um, so we obviously have this huge focus 
in online sports betting. Um, but what some folks don't know about the sports betting industry is that it's legislated and regulated on a state-by-state basis. I think there are 14 or 15 states that currently allow mobile sports betting. There's another handful of states that only currently allow retail, which means you have to walk in person up to a window and place a bet type sports betting. By 2025, I think there's going to be about 35 to 38 states that allow sports betting. For sport trade specifically, we are regulated as if we were a single dealer platform. So much like Um, Our competitors, we are going state by state and getting what's called market access and getting the regulatory approvals required. And and while that's not the best system for the customer, we we, at SportTrade, we're always putting the customer first and we're always thinking about the customer first. You know, a more optimal approach would would be to have one kind of national framework where liquidity could be pooled across all the states and that would – you know, be a bunch of savings, of price savings and odd savings for customers, um, it is currently regulated on a state-by-state basis. So what that means for us is we're going to set up an exchange venue in each state. We're going to have market makers in each state. Liquidity won't leave state lines. And of course, it will, this will create arbitrage opportunities for kind of sharper or faster traders to say, well, wait a minute, in Indiana, the Boston Celtics are 48 mm-hmm. bid, but in Massachusetts, they're 47 offer. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's going to encourage the same you know, type of arbitraging and, and trading that happens in today's capital markets where you have, you know, 13 lit books and U.S. equities and another countless um, wholesalers and, and dark pools. I think that same type of methodology will will emerge just based on these kind of natural regulatory barriers to entry. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This whole conversation goes back to your way of thinking. And you said at the time, when you're looking at this coming in, the current sports betting, I'm not talking about just the mobile app stuff, I'm talking about sports betting in general, the whole industry looks like it's 1981. And after you make the bet, okay, then three companies coming on next, and and then that's it. And then, you know, you sit down, and and it was just an, an old man's way of thinking, and I think you said yourself, and I'm paraphrasing, well, who came up with this business model? Because this stinks. And you changed, you're trying to change the industry with the way you're doing it. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, that was my experience, certainly. Like tens of millions of Americans now uh, are placing legal and regulated sports bets on today's um, um, sports books. Is I placed a $50 bet on a team to win. That team is winning very uh, handily, and the sports book is offering me a cash out of $45. And I'm thinking, this is like, come on, this is highway robbery. Doesn't this have a value? And, and shouldn't this value be determined by the market, not by a, a single dealer? And and as someone that kind of came from finance and I was um, had a degree, um, undergraduate degree from Drexel, where I learned all about um, you know, th- this revolution in, in capital markets, and I was one of the tens of millions of Americans to be early adopters on, on a platform called Robinhood, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, the future of sports betting is going to look so different than it does right now. And it was kind of just a very natural reaction to being kind of this, I would say, spoiled consumer that was 
you know, preconditioned to expect low trading fees, <laughs> instant access, and amazing liquidity. And I learned that, oh my gosh, it was never that way. My parents used to pay $30 for a stock trade. And you think about that in sports betting, like how could you ever trade a sports event if you're paying 6% right. every every time? Like the bid-ask spread is just too wide. And, and because you're not able to put limit orders in the book, you're really captive to that to that spread. So that was really the genesis. And then I, as I think about it now, and I think about the way that capital markets was really transformed, you really had two waves. You had the electronification of markets, um, where ECNs came and displaced specialists 20, 25 years ago. And then you had an even kind of more amazing retail revolution in the democratization of not just stock trading, but any sort of trading and platforms like um, Wealth Simple or Robinhood or Coinbase that made um, trading approachable. It made it simple. And I think that there's a huge opportunity to do that in sports betting because not everyone understands what minus 110 means. Yes. But most people understand, hey, the probability of Serena Williams to win this tennis match is 33%. I yeah. think that's a little bit low. I want to buy 33s on Serena Williams. So we think there's this massive opportunity to invite more participants into the sports betting industry by virtue of making a more approachable sports betting platform. Yeah, making it more accessible. Um, and, and Mike Lynch might have touched on this earlier with the compli- complication of state-by-state regulation and how you're going to get around that or how you're going to work through that. But every market, every exchange has some kind of regulator that oversees them. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a regulator for a sport trade? A federal regulator? Uh, They're currently not a federal regulator. Sports betting is is regulated on kind of a state-by-state patchwork of different regimes currently. Um, And we are regulated by the same regulators that regulate um, uh, single-dealer platforms or what are called called sports books. And we've we've, uh, been really privileged and really fortunate to kind of be in the driver's seat. Uh, with those regulators, uh, specifically in New Jersey, which is where we're starting, to educate them on, hey, this is a form of wagering that you already allow. Mm-hmm. No one has tried it yet. Um, your current regulations or some of your cu- current reporting regimes don't contemplate this model. Um, here's how it works in capital markets, and here's why we think this is the best model, not only for you, but for the customer. We talk about um, the transparency. We talk about the liquidity. We talk about the customer protection, which is huge for us. We're going to be one of the first or the first, rather, sports betting venue to adapt um, NASDAQ market surveillance technology. Um, NASDAQ is one of our strategic investors. As we try to identify abusive trading behavior, nefarious trading behavior, or the biggie for us, potential problem gambling. Um, so everything about what we're doing at Sportrade is trying to put the customer first. And we're in this incredible um, position where we get to educate regulators as to what, what is an exchange and why is it better for everyone. So, Alex, is is football king with sports trade? <laughs> football, I think, will be king. I think um, you know the breakdown of, of sports betting is somewhere between thirty to forty percent of all betting happens uh, with football, and when you add basketball to that, you're over fifty percent of all volumes. Um, I think what's really interesting about our venue, and we kind of go back to the transparency bit, is that think about the Nasdaq, think about bats, think about the New York Stock Exchange. Anyone could go online and see, you know, what is what is the volume today in a certain ticker. You could go to a futures exchange and say, what is the open interest in this contract? Um, sportsbooks don't have the responsibility to do that. They're single-dealer platforms. You don't get to see where the Jets traded 10 minutes ago uh, when you're going to place your bet. 
and you don't know what the total volume is. You don't know the history of the price. As an exchange, we're going to be the first venue in the U.S. that has all of that, as many people would expect out of any type of exchange. And that means open interest. That means total volume. That means price history. And I think what that means is that for people out there that are interested in saying how popular is football as opposed to hockey, um, they're going to be able to access our data and say, wow, well, 40% of sports trades volumes in the last month came in football. Uh, but interestingly, the most amount of open interest is in tennis. So I think that there's just a treasure trove of potential data out there. And we're going to be one of the first venues to really democratize that and say, you know, you shouldn't have to go to a regulator and submit a FOIA request to see, like, what is the volume on a certain sport on a certain venue? Like, that should just be table stakes because that's that all of that was sorted 20 years ago when we dis- disintermediated specialists and replaced them with ECNs and exchanges. Before we wrap this up, I, I just want to explain to people and, and why you have something unique. The And you talked about it earlier. When somebody who may not know and is not a sports better and they're seeing, uh, okay, the Jets are at minus 110 to make this bet. That 10, that's the VIG. In other words, if I bet $110, I will win if the Jets get it, just $100. So I would get 210 back. And the difference is, and I don't want to use the word, it's the percentage of the commission that you guys do is different. I don't even want to use the word VIG for you guys. That's I don't like that term. Old for school. Guys. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference with you guys here. Absolutely. So when you're when you're betting a 50-50 bet with a sportsbook operator, you are paying that extra ten dollars um, for the privilege of, of placing a bet with that particular bookmaker. And 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 in play, that actually gets worse. Um, believe it or not, it mm-hmm. goes to minus one fifteen. In some cases, minus one twenty. So that really changes the calculus. Now you have to bet an extra $20 to win back your 100 um, And that's where the, the what they call the VIG, where the fees just get out of hand. And that's why when you go and place a bet, $100 bet, and then the game goes in play, you know, your $100 bet's worth $75. You're sitting there thinking, this like, how is this legal? Um, the, the exchange kind of corrects all of that. You're right. If you don't use words um, like VIG, we use words like open interest mm-hmm. and positions and orders and commissions um, because – because I think those are words that are more approachable. You don't specifically have to, you know, have watched every single season of Sopranos to understand how to use portrait versus, you know, you have to understand the vig and the hook and the juice and the teaser and the pleaser. And it's just like, what are all these words? Um, I think that's what really what we want to do with portrait is we want to kind of elevate the industry. We want to put the customer first um, and we want to make a much more approachable um, and dynamic platform. That's, that's really for everyone, not just the folks that, understand what, what minus 110 is the, on sport trade the price is the probability and the fees that you're paying are probably about one-tenth of what you pay on a traditional sports book alex before we let you go what's the best uh sports trade or sports bet you've made the best sports bet i've made well interestingly one of the the very early bets that i made and this is how i kind of came up with the idea of for sport trade was uh, back at the masters five or six years ago i i picked this golfer that was you know, in, in options terminology, way out of the money, very cheap, a thousand to one. Um, but I knew that this golfer was quite good, and I, I placed. I think I had my dad, who knew some, you know, someone that had a bookie, placed this ten dollar bet, and my my dad's friend now placed a twenty dollar bet. So now we have twenty dollars on this golfer. Um, and halfway through the Masters, this golfer was in seventh place, 
And I went back to the same website that was offering a thousand to one initially, and it was now ten to one. And that's the light bulb. That was a light bulb moment for me. Was mm. I bought this option was out of the money, and now it's way further to being in the money. I want to sell this. And of course, everyone's had that experience where you've had this out of the money bet and it was doing well, and then that late penalty hurt you, or that late line judge call hurt you, and you ended up losing your bet. And I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. There should have been a way for me to monetize. Like I didn't think this guy was actually going to win the Masters. I just knew that a thousand to one was. He was undervalued at that price. So that was probably one of the, the, the best sports that I made. And, and because Sportrade didn't exist, I actually lost money on that. Whereas if I were able to trade that, I probably would have done you know very well. Um, so that's probably, you know, I'm not the greatest sports better in the world. I've, I'm, you know, uh, a low margin loser, just like a lot of other folks that <laughs> shop on price and use a lot of sports books. Uh, but I sure do have a lot of fun doing it. Well, Alex Kane, you just described the story of my life. You probably have been reading. In, <laughs> you've been reading all of my bets. <laughs> Thank you, man. You, by the way, he's the founder, the chairperson of the board, and chief executive officer of Sport Trade. Again, Alex Kane. Thank you so much, sir, and thank you for now putting a new wrinkle in my sports betting life because I will be using this. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, along with Mike Lynch and Scarlett Fu. I'm Michael Barr. And you know what? You can get our podcast anywhere you want, wherever you get them, because that's the way we broke. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.